We're going to begin this evening in Matthew 5. We're going to notice verse 13. <clears throat> Matthew 5, 13. But before we get there, we're going to talk about a few other things. I want us to begin with the idea that we've been named. Each of us have names. And I mentioned in a funeral on one occasion that we have different names in this life. We have the name that our parents gave us. Uh, we have a name that we may have been given by other people that might point out a particular characteristic or something in our lives, and we normally call those nicknames. And then we have a name we make for ourselves. And that's an important name. But when we look at the ideas of these names, there's very little we can do about what our parents have named us. I guess we could change our names if we so chose to do that. Uh, there's not a whole lot we can do about a nickname someone may have chosen to give us. Uh, they may call us that, or we may have grown up being called that. It's kind of hard to lose those monikers at times. But the name that we make for ourselves is something that we can do a little something about. That's uh, having to do with our reputation, our our quality of person, our character. And uh, when we look at the idea of names, there's another name I want us to notice. There's a name that Jesus gave us, and that name is the most important name. And it's not the name that you're probably thinking of. Uh, we call ourselves Christians because we follow after the teachings of Christ. But, uh, but Jesus called us other things as well, right? He called us children. He called us sheep. He called us all, all manner of things. But I want us to notice Matthew 5, verse 13. When Jesus made this statement, He meant something. When He said, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be uh, trodden underfoot of men. He called us salt, didn't He? We're salt. And he called us that for a very good reason. Again, Christians have been called sheep, they've been called brethren, they've been called little ones and other names, but salt carries with it a very important idea, and it's a very important name. And I don't believe it is by coincidence that verses 13 and 14 of Matthew 5 follow what we know as the Beatitudes. Of course, verse 14 rather talks about being a light to the world, but we're going to focus on being salt, okay? And I don't think it is uh, by coincidence that that follows the Beatitudes. When we're called salt, we're called that because we have an opportunity to influence things in this world. Because that's what salt does, really. In the Beatitudes, Jesus gave us the qualities that each person must possess if they are going to be members and citizens in the kingdom of God. When we possess those qualities, and the, the, the good news is if we do not possess them as we wish we did, we can cultivate those qualities in our lives. But when we do that, we will have a positive influence on the people around us. We can have a positive influence on the world and thereby helping to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us, it makes the world a better place. And so, when we live by God's standards, Jesus 
permeates our lives and we are like salt. But salt can lose its qualities that uh, make it so uh, uh, wanted in the world, can it? Salt can lose those qualities. In that one verse, Jesus made some statements, three statements, which I think we need to consider and understand. And every child of God needs to know that, and anyone who ever wants or considers being a child of God. So I want us to focus on this name, salt. Like salt, we must never lose our savor. And so the title of the sermon this evening is, How is your salt? It's pretty simple. We need to ask that to ourselves. How's my salt? Am am I having the characteristics in the proper way that salt has? Salt can do good things and it can do bad things. The bad things might be good things if if it's done in the correct way, right? Salt can kill things. Well, if you're killing the right thing, then that's a good and a positive thing to keep in mind. But as we consider Christ's use of the name salt, I want us to first, let's look at the descriptions that we know salt does for us in this world or that it does. First of all, salt preserves. It's a preservative. It's been used as a preservative uh, to prevent rot and decay for years. Multiple years. Uh, We haven't always had freezers and refrigerators and things like that. And so what our ancestors would do is they would take meat and they would salt it. Right? That prevents it from decaying. And it produces an outer uh, uh, portion of it that is antibacterial. The same thing if you were to smoke meat. It does uh, much the same thing. But when you salt meat, You salt a ham or you salt whatever you want to salt, you can use that meat for later on. So it is a preservative. Now I want us to notice, how is that reflected in our lives? Well, Christians should be preservative toward the world. Our our goal should be to preserve people, right? Think about Sodom and Gomorrah. If there had been ten righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah that could have preserved those people, it would not have been destroyed. The five cities of the plains would never have been destroyed, but there were not enough people to preserve the rot and the decay that was happening in those cities. I think the presence of prayerful people and good people have saved this world so far. Think about our own nation. Are there things going on in our nation right now that that we don't agree with? Of course there are. There's a, there's a litany of things that we disagree with. But I honestly believe that the prayers of righteous men and women, James 5, 16, have preserved our nation thus far. I believe the prayers of righteous men and women have preserved the world thus far and have prevented God's judgment from coming upon us as of yet. I think it when we look at Uh, God's people and the righteousness that they possess, what does that do? It makes societies in the world great. Makes them better, right? Solomon declared this, Proverbs 14, 34. He said, Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The salt of Christianity is to preserve the world. That's one description. 
Now I want us to notice that salt also penetrates. It's a very uh, uh, forceful mineral, right? It's going to go, it's going to penetrate. And salt will penetrate whatever it touches. If you put just a little bit of salt in something that should have sugar, can you tell it? Maybe you put sugar in it, but then you put an additional little bit of salt. What does the salt do? Well, it takes away the sweetness, doesn't it? Salt will penetrate. It's an aggressive substance, right? And we see that in the lives of of the, the first century Christians when they went about doing the things that God asked them to do. Jesus called us salt, okay? And then the first century Christians, we see what they're doing. Acts 8, verses 1 through 4, they went throughout the world. They penetrated the world. And that's why uh, Jesus called them salt, because they went forth and they penetrated and they did those things. So let's remember, He called us salt. We need to penetrate. We need to go into the world and we need to to go to places and take the gospel. And, And we read in Acts 17, verse 6, that they did that. They took the gospel and it was able to penetrate not just into the world to, to be offered to people, but it penetrated the heart too. Well, salt will preserve. It will penetrate. It will also purify. That's one thing that salt does. It has a remarkable cleansing ability. Have you ever gargled with salt water? Have you ever had a sore gum and you gargled with salt water? It didn't feel good but it will purify the area. It will help a a, a sore throat or whatever the case may be. When we read about Elisha, he cleansed the Jordan River with salt, right? Now in ancient times, this seems a little rough to me, but in ancient times, newborn babies were washed in a salt solution to cleanse their bodies and to give firmness to their skin. We read about that in Ezekiel 16 verse 4. Though painful, if you pour salt into a wound, it will help prevent infection. And so salt is definitely a purifying substance. Have you ever noticed that uh, people behave differently when when they know that a Christian is in the group? I'm, I'm talking in general, right? Maybe at the workplace or whatever, you may have some people that uh, they don't behave exactly the way that God would want them to behave, but a Christian comes into the group and they know that person is a Christian and maybe their language all of a sudden isn't as bad as it once was. They, they recognize that that person is a Christian because uh, what's the, why is that? Because of that influence of that person, right? It may not personally change them, but at least they prevent themselves from doing things that are offensive to that Christian. So it is still a purifying agent salt will preserve it will penetrate it will purify but perhaps the most notable characteristic of salt is it's it pleases right salt is pleasant used in the right amounts right have you ever salted food too much can't eat it right you don't want to eat salt uh, food without salt and you certainly don't want to eat it with too much salt but that's why that's that's what we think of when we think of salt right we take food we, or we put salt on it and it blends and adds flavor to the meal, right? It's pleasing to us. It makes it enjoyable. And so I think in the same way, Christians are to add flavor to the world, right? 
we are supposed to take our qualities that are similar to salt, preserve the world, purify the world, make it pleasing to God, right? That's why He called us salt. And when we do that, we do it to God's glory, Philippians 1, 27. So when we consider salt's description, we've noticed all of these things that it does. It, it purifies, it penetrates, it pleases. Uh, uh, there's something else we need to consider when we think of salt. Salt can also poison, okay? Salt can kill things. If you have... Uh, fish in a tank and they're not saltwater fish, what happens if you put salt in there? It'll poison them, right? It'll poison them. It will kill that. Salt will kill some things. Before I got married and had daughters and didn't think of stuff like this, have you ever noticed when someone would go out in the evening and put salt on a slug, what would happen? So I don't do that anymore. It's been brought to my attention that that's cruel and inhumane. So I don't do that anymore. And I guess it is. But what, what happens when you put salt on a slug or a snail? It just almost disappears, doesn't it? It just uh, gets smaller and just almost turns into ooze, right? Well, salt can kill. That's what, that's what it can do. It can take care of, of problems. If you pour salt on a lawn, it won't grow grass. If you pour salt on your garden bed, you're not going to have vegetables, right? Too much salt's bad for your blood pressure, so I'm told. You know, I don't know. Maybe it is. When we uh, read in Judges 9.45, we read about Abimelech. Abimelech used salt to destroy the ground and to prevent crops from growing. So salt can poison. So in the same way, true Christianity sown in the lives, homes, and communities of the world, it will put some things to death, won't it? It will kill some things. Christians impact the world because Christianity is pure poison to sin. And so when we have the characteristics of salt and we penetrate the world and we purify the world and we do all of those things that pleases God, we will poison the sins of this world, right? Remember, Jesus called us salt. And because of that, our influences can kill sinful lifestyles, right? It can help to do that. When Peter talked to the, to the wives who were married to men who were not Christians, he talked about how they could convert their non-believing husbands by their chaste lifestyles because they had these qualities and these characteristics of salt. Galatians 5.19 talks about all the things we want to kill in this world, Right? The, the bad qualities that we don't want to have. See, and when, when we do that, when we get rid of these bad qualities and we're able to present ourselves to God and be faithful to Him, uh, I think that's what Paul meant in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So salt can poison. But here's another characteristic or description that I want to talk about. It also promotes. Salt will promote. Remember, Jesus called Christians salt. And we should promote for Christ. What does what, When we think of salt, what does it promote? What happens when you eat too much salt? What are you wanting? What are you looking for? 
a drink of water. It promotes thirst, right? That's a quality of salt maybe we don't often think about in, in uh, describing that to a Christian. What are we to thirst for? We're to thirst for the gospel of Christ, right? That's what salt does. It promotes that if we have the characteristic of salt and we are living the way God wants us to do, we will thirst for uh, Jesus and we will help others to do that. Notice John 7, beginning with verse 37. In the last day, that great day of, of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know, when we're salt, we're going to take up the call for the gospel, right? We're going to, we're going to deliver that call. We're going to fulfill that message, and we're going to help promote what Jesus needs to have promoted. When that doesn't happen, though, the exact opposite takes place, right? If we're not thirsting for Jesus, other things happen. If we're not filling our lives with righteousness, our lives will become filled with other things. Whether we intend that to be the case or not, that's what happens. When, uh, when the person becomes more like the world, he becomes less like Christ. And that's not what we want. God certainly doesn't want anyone to behave as a hypocrite. That doesn't go unnoticed, does it? Hypocrisy does not go unnoticed. When when lives are led in standard, immoral ways, you know what the world asks? They say, well, why would I want to be a Christian? I'm living at least as good as that person, right? Why would I want to change things? And I think it's sad when statements like that are made when Christians do not live up to the qualities of salt. Here's another thing salt does. Salt will prove our ability. Salt changes almost everything it touches. It'll change it. It's a very aggressive substance. You put it on food, it changes it. What happens when you put salt on ice? It melts it. You put it in water, changes it, right? You can't, you can't drink that water uh, to take care of the thirst anymore, and it, and it changes other things it touches. If you have the opportunity and you wanted to choose between a thermostat and a uh, thermometer that you were to put in your house, what would you pick? Someone comes in and says, okay, we're going to put a new heating and air system in your home. You can pick a thermostat or you can pick a thermometer. I don't want the thermometer. I want the thermostat, right? I don't want to be able to turn it down because I get hot. So I want to turn it down, and when it gets cold, I want to turn it up because I don't like being cold and I don't like being hot. What good does a, thermos, uh, does a thermometer do? A thermometer tells us, okay, it affirms, yeah, I'm cold, I thought I was, you know. Well, the, thermo, the, the thermometer says it's 95 degrees in the house. Well, I thought I was warm. See, it doesn't help if, you, if you're not implementing change, right? But if you have a thermostat, you can change that. You make it cooler, you make it hotter. See, salt proves things. And we need to have that characteristic. It changes the things around it. And that's what a Christian is supposed to do. We're to change ourselves. And by changing ourselves, we have an opportunity to change the world around us. And we can uh, influence people to be more like Jesus needs them to be. We're salt. And those terms describe how we are to be in relation to the world. Some descriptions of salt. It will preserve. 
penetrate, purify, poison, promote, and prove. Those are the descriptions. Now I want us to notice for just a moment the dangers that we are to avoid. Salt can lose its flavor, right? Uh, I've never gotten a hold of any salt that was not salty, but we don't use the same kind of salt of which uh, Jesus spoke. And salt was a valuable commodity in, uh, in the old world. In fact, it was so valuable. Do you know Roman soldiers were paid often in salt? That's where the, uh, the, the word uh, salary came from, salarium, because they were paid in salt. That's how precious it was. But it was possible for it to lose its flavor. What happens when uh, it's no longer salty? That's worthless. You know, the, the Roman soldiers don't want to be paid in worthless salt. They don't want to, to try to use salt that you can't even taste. It doesn't change the things on which you put it. But it is possible to lose the flavor and no longer be salty. But the salt we use today, and this is a lot of times why we don't really understand it, the salt we use today is very different from the salt used when Jesus spoke these words. What we use is chloride of sodium or sodium chloride. Now the salt they use, they would dig it out of the ground from the salt cliffs or they would take water from the Dead Sea and evaporate that water and make their salt. But here's the thing. That salt, when exposed to the elements, would lose its saltiness. They couldn't use it for food, right? They couldn't, that, that was the thing that they, they wanted to use it for. Now, uh, so what they would do, they would take that salt and they would mix it with some kind of uh, uh, veget, uh, vegetation, some kind of vegetable matter, so it would preserve that saltiness and it would protect it from the elements. But that table salt was in danger of losing its flavor. Now, what about the salt of the Christian? Sometimes the Christian is in danger of losing his or her savor, right? Remember, Jesus said we were salt, so we have to guard our saltiness. We have to pay attention to our characteristics. If we come too close to the world, just like the salt they were digging out of the ground, we can lose our savor. We don't want to do that. We want to protect that. So we've noticed the uh, description. We've noticed some dangers. Now I want us to understand that salt will meet its destiny one way or the other. If salt loses its flavor, it was cast out. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Now here's what it was good for. It was cast out and it was taken and scattered along footpaths. They used salt that had lost its savor, had lost its saltiness, much like we use uh, gravel today. They would put it on their paths. It would keep the weeds knocked down. And remember, they wore sandals. So as they walked along the footpaths, this salt would be cast down. And when it was rainy and muddy, they could keep their feet out of the mud. That's all it was good for, used like for gravel. And so when we lose our function. As far as God is concerned, we lose our savor. We're, not, we're worthless to God. We can't do the things He needs us to do. And so, just like salt that has lost its saltiness is cast out and literally trod under the foot of people, that's what happens to the Christian. Here's what happens when the hypocrite or the person who's a Christian loses his or her savor. 
They caused the name of the Father, the name of Jesus, and the name of the Holy Spirit to be walked and tread upon. Right? We, uh, the, the person who's not living the faithful life that claims to be a Christian brings dishonor to the name of God. We don't want to be that way. We become useless to the Lord as vessels of righteousness. That's not what we want. But that doesn't have to be the case, right? We can lose, or, or salt can lose its savor. That's one destiny. Or if we maintain our savor, that salt can last. And we can influence our families, we can influence our communities, and we can influence our world. None of us want to be cast out as useless. That's not what we're after. That's not what God wants, and that's not what we want to do. But that's what happened to the, to the servants we read about in the parable of the pounds and the talents, isn't it? They were cast out. They were cast out into, into outer darkness, Matthew 25 and Luke 19, because they were worthless to the Master. And that's not what we want. We don't want to be worthless to the Master. Jesus called the Christian salt. And we want to have those characteristics found in that substance, right? We can choose that. We want to have that description. We want to avoid those dangers. And we want our destiny to be that when, uh, uh, of which Christ spoke as He welcomed those in to eternal life. That's the destiny we want. So as we consider the question, how is your salt? Do we know that we're valuable to God? We have to look at ourselves. We talked about that this morning for a few moments. We have to look inward and we have to see where we are in our relationship. Is my salt good? You know, there's a tremendous need for every child of God to be exactly what God needs them to be. We have to. Our brethren here, often we pray for, for the works of the church to be carried out. Well, we have to be what God needs us to be so we can carry out those works. And each of us do different things, right? But every one of us are needed in that aspect. All of us, I believe, have witnessed enough false teaching in the world, enough hypocrisy, enough weak living by those who claim to be Christians to last an eternity. And we don't want to see that. We want to be able to uh, uh, be the type of people and have the characteristics of which Jesus spoke to influence others for the better. You know, we're salt. We need to behave in accordance to that description, the name that Jesus gave each of us. And He demonstrated those qualities, and He is our example. And those are the qualities necessary to be added to the Lord's body. You've never obeyed the gospel. I look out, and it seems that, that everyone here has obeyed the gospel of accountable age. But we always want to be reminded how to do that. Faith and repentance. Confession that Jesus is the Son of God, that He rose from the, from the dead, and He reigns over the kingdom as we speak. Being immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins, so we can be saved. That's what Peter said, 1 Peter 3, 21. And then living this faithful life, having the qualities of salt. If you've done that and you've become unfaithful, maybe you lost your savor. Here's the difference between salt and the type of salt a Christian is. We can get that savor back. We can get that saltiness back. God will give it to us if we'll ask Him to forgive us and we'll uh, confess our sins to Him in publicly if necessary and ask Him to forgive us. He'll give that back to us. If you need to answer this invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.